Welcome to Come and See, a home-centered podcast-supported gospel doctrine. This is Sam Rencher. And I'm Wendy Rencher. We're going to be covering Mosiah chapters 11 through 17. We really get into the story of Noah and his wicked priest and Abinadi and, and the people who are also being wicked at this time. If we look at chapter 11, verse 2, right off the bat, it talks about Noah and that he did not keep the commandments of God, but he did walk after the desires of his own heart, which really is, is being selfish. These people are being seriously wicked with immorality, and they were causing each other to commit sin. They were teaching sin and all manner of wickedness. And they put a tax upon their people. Um, and he does this to support himself and his wives and his concubines and his priests. And in verse 6, we see, and thus they were supported in their laziness and in their idolatry and in their whoredoms by the taxes which King Noah had put upon his people. Thus did the people labor exceedingly to support iniquity. Now these people, you can see in verse 14, they place their hearts upon the riches that they had, and they lived in a riotous way. Um, in 15, you even see that they planted vineyards and became wine bibbers. Um, but these people were, they were wicked. And the Lord is so patient, and he loves us, and he gives us every opportunity to repent, but there are real consequences to sin. And the consequences start really here in verse 16 with the Lamanites coming and beginning to slay the people. And, uh, but the people still don't repent. And Noah sends out in 17 guards, but he doesn't send enough, and they get slain. But the Lord continues to be patient. And in verse 18, um, he even blesses them with success in their battles as they send their armies out. The, the armies beat the Lamanites. But then how do these Nephites respond? Well, not with any gratitude to the Lord. No, they, they, they add the sin of ingratitude to their list of sins. And um, as they rejoice in their own pride and their own strength, they boast in their strength. They even love killing, verse 19. It, it's very sad. So the Lord sends his prophet. He sends Abinadi. In verse 20, um, we read quite a bit about the consequences that are going to come upon these Nephites if they don't, well, upon the Nephites. And then we get to this brilliant word, which is accept, accept the people repent. In verse 21, we see it again, and accept, they repent and turn to the Lord. And then it gives a whole list of consequences that will come if they don't. We then get to verse 23, and it says, Except they repent, they shall be brought into bondage, and none will deliver them except to be the Lord Almighty. We get to verse 25, and again, except they repent. I, I hope you're seeing a pattern. The Lord is so merciful and patient, but we must repent to be saved. All the consequences will come except we repent. And the Lord sent Abinadi to these people to give them an opportunity to repent. And um, he sends prophets to his children 
um, to teach them and to um, provide opportunities for them to become more like him. And yet these people that Abinadi was teaching, they don't take it. Uh, Noah and his people, they don't know the prophet. Uh, it says in 27, who is Abinadi that I and my people should be judged of him? Or who is the Lord that shall bring upon my people such great affliction? They don't know the Lord and they don't know the prophet. It's just so sad. Um, to the point that they actually seek to slay Abinadi. Um, Abinadi, we get to chapter 12, and he teaches the people of all the consequences that will come. Um, Noah would be burned. The people will not respect him. The people will be smitten with sore affliction, so much that they will howl all the day long. They will be given burdens and driven like dumb animals. There'll be hail and insects and no food. There'll be terrible diseases. They will be completely destroyed with only a record remaining, just like the Jaredites, all because of their sins. And then verse 8, except they repent. If they'll just repent, the Lord will bless them and they will prosper instead of all of those significant consequences. But, but they don't. They don't. They don't listen to Abinadi. They don't listen to the prophet. In fact, they take Abinadi and they take him before Noah and the priests. And Noah, or sorry, and Abinadi, uh, he preaches one of the most powerful, amazing sermons that uh, that you can read anywhere. And we're going to touch on just a few. I wish we could cover the whole thing, but there's too much. So we're going to start... Um... Here in chapter 13, Abinadi is brought before King Noah and the wicked priests. And in 5 and 6, it says, For the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and his face shone with exceeding luster. And in verse 6, he spake with power and authority from God. And so Abinadi is in these dangerous circumstances, not with a friendly crowd. No. Um, and yet he, you know... the. The spirit of the Lord is with him. He shines. He has power and authority from God. And um, as we are clean and worthy, we can have the same kinds of blessings. We can shine the light of the Savior. We can have his power as we seek to move his work forward. Um, I think Abinadi was certain and confident in his message despite the circumstances he was in. Um, and he wasn't afraid to give the message that the Lord had sent him to give. Um, he says in the verses after five and six, he says, therefore, I finish my message. Uh, yea, and I perceive that it cuts you to your hearts because I tell you the truth concerning your iniquities. And then he tells him he's going to read unto them the commandments. And he says, for I perceive that they are not written in your hearts. So he teaches the 10 commandments. Um, we can maybe view it as a checklist of sorts to see uh, for ourselves, are the commandments written in our hearts? Uh, he talks about serving only God, about not taking the Lord's name in vain, about remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy, and honoring our father and our mother, and and all of those other parts of the Ten Commandments. And so, uh, as I studied this this week, I wondered, what does it mean to have the commandments written in our hearts? That's such a good thought, a good question. I think there's really a difference in knowing what the commandments are and having them written in our hearts. Uh, whenever the commandments are written in our hearts, I think that is becoming. We've become 
something more. It reminds me of uh, Mosiah 5, 2 and 3, where it talks about a mighty change of heart. And this mighty change of heart is when um, you have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. But that, that's ha having become someone more, something better. Have you ever had a commandment that you struggled with and then eventually, you know, after working on it and repenting and changing and trying to be better, suddenly it was no more a temptation for you? Um, I have. I've had commandments where I thought, oh, I, you know, I, I want to be good. I want to keep the commandments. But, you know, it's kind of hard to because this one is hard for me. And yet over time and with change and repentance, um, I think those things can become a change of heart where we really don't have a desire anymore to do the thing that that isn't good. I, I think that's it. I think that's the beautiful description of when the commandments have been written in your heart is when you have gotten to that point. I also love 2 Nephi 31, 13. Um, it says that we should follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that ye are willing to take upon you the name of Christ. Um, so part of maybe having the commandments written in our hearts is that no hypocrisy, really being honest with Heavenly Father, um, real intent to change, uh, real intent to repent continually, and real intent to make and keep covenants. It's incredible. Chapter 14, he decides to teach us about the Savior, and he largely does it by quoting Isaiah. Um, verse 1, say, Even doth not Isaiah say, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He asks a great question. Who gets to know the Lord and his power? And then he teaches all, us all about Jesus um, in order to answer this question. Um, in verse 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Um, so Jesus is going to come to earth as a baby. He's going to grow and become a mortal man just in the same way that we do. He wasn't distinctive where people would recognize him as the son of God when he uh, came to earth. Um, he's going to be comely and there's no beauty that we should desire in him. Not the, the worldly view that people were expecting when a savior was to come. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Um, he was despised and rejected by a lot of people, and still is. And we included in that group are often dismiss him, maybe, and perhaps esteem him not. Um, do we ever hide our faces from him? Um, do we um, ignore his commandments or the things that he has asked us to do? Uh, I think that would be esteeming him not. 
Sometimes his commandments don't line up with what we think they ought to. They certainly don't line up with what the world teaches of how we should behave or believe. And if we ever go with the world's view instead of the Savior's view, that is exactly what we're doing is hiding our faces from him. Dismissing him. Yes. Uh, verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So he bore our griefs and our sorrows, he suffered in Gethsemane and on the cross, and I love the with his stripes we are healed. It's his sacrifice that heals all things. That heals all things. It's so beautiful and I'm so grateful beyond what I could ever express. Uh, verse 6, And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquities of us all. Um, all the children of God stray and turn from God. And Jesus took all of those sins upon him. Uh, verse 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Um, he went before Pilate right before his crucifixion, and it says in, in the New Testament, and answered him nothing. Uh, just like it says here, he opened not his mouth. He's also called the Lamb of God and was taken like a lamb to the slaughter. That verse describes Jesus's meekness, maybe better than any verse I've ever read. And that is true meekness as you think of a lamb. Um, and, and the answering him nothing. You know, he hadn't, didn't feel like he had to prove something. He was doing his father's will and and so even when he was being accused and, and all of those things, he answered him nothing. Yeah. Verse 8 and 9, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no evil, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. So he was put in prison and he was judged and he was put on the cross, you know, next to robbers. Um, the wealthy Jew offered his tomb for Jesus's body. He was perfect and yet um, he did not lie or speak, or speak falsely. Uh, um, verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So pleased the Lord to bruise him, meaning that God was pleased with the offering that Jesus was giving for sin and grateful for what was being offered. Um, and he starts at the beginning. We talked about, you know, who gets to know the Lord and his power. That was the question Isaiah asked. And he starts answering that question in these last couple of verses. He talks about his seed. For sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his hand. Well, his seed is those who make covenants and keep the commandments. 
uh, verse 12 continues in that where he says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. And if we go to the cross-references there, we, we learn again the answer to that question, who gets to know the Savior and his power? Was well, those who uh, make covenants with him and accept Jesus. That's a beautiful chapter. Um, lots more things that we could talk about and say there, but um, we're going to move on to chapter 15 and start actually in verse 11. It says, Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord, I say unto you that all those who have hearkened unto their words and believe that the Lord would redeem his people, and have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. So earlier we talked about, um, you know, how the commandments are written on our hearts. And in this verse, I think we learn that we receive Jesus or have those commandments written on our hearts as we listen to and follow his servants. Listen to the phrases from that verse again. When we heard the words of the prophets, hearkened unto their words, and believed that the Lord would redeem his people, then we are heirs of the kingdom of God. So they, they heard the prophet, they acted, um, and they had faith that Jesus had the power to redeem them. And um, we have had the opportunity recently to listen to our prophet, President Nelson, and if we want to have the commandments written on our hearts, I think we probably need to be reviewing and putting into actions the things that he asked us to do. So I started making a list from conference of the things that President Nelson invited us to do. There's probably actually more than are on this list, but this is a pretty long list. I don't know if we're going to get through it anyway. So... Let's make a go, because these are beautiful, and I'm so excited about them, because this is what our current prophet has taught us, so this is what the Lord is teaching us. If you want to have, um, if you want to be, have the commandments written in your heart, here are the things that we need to be doing. And, and Abinadi was completely rejected as a prophet. Um, not only did the people not just ignore him, you know, eventually they killed him, um, so we don't want to be following the example of those people. We want to not be ignoring our prophet. We want to be listening and following and acting so that we become heirs uh, in the kingdom of God. Um, so the first one is President Nelson said, we are to seek in every way we can to hear Jesus Christ, who speaks to us through the power and ministering of the Holy Ghost. This might be the theme of President Nelson is how do we hear him? Are we doing things to seek in every way we can to hear Jesus in our lives? I would say it, it has been his theme. It, if we have listened to the prophet at all, we should know that one of the most important things that we need to do is learn how to hear our Savior, learn how to understand the promptings of the Holy Ghost. That's just an absolute must. Um, and the second one says, Previously, I promised that if we would do our best to restore the correct name of the Lord's church, he would pour down his power and blessings upon the heads of the Latter-day Saints. I renew that promise today. I think 
you know, are, uh, do we do that? Or is this one of those things that we kind of make fun of? And I've, I've heard many joke about the Mormon, the Mormon church, and are not really following this counsel or this commandment from the prophet. He's made it very clear. This is a commandment and here's promises that will come if you follow this, this commandment. Um, the third invitation was, I invite all, including those not of our faith, to fast and pray. And this was in regards to COVID-19 and the, the fast on Good Friday. Hopefully you had an opportunity to participate in that invitation from our prophet. Number four, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear him need to be even more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our daily lives with his words, his teachings, his truths. So really, how are we seeking to be disciples of Jesus Christ? What efforts are we making to hear him more intentionally? Um, one of the things we do, Wendy and I, is, that, is each evening we actually ask, how did we receive revelation today? How did we hear him today? And, and we talked just for a moment about how we heard him that day. That's actually been really helpful in, in being more conscious of thinking about and then remembering, writing down, or at least talking about and discussing, you know, those things that the Holy Ghost is prompting us to do. Including them in our journals, and it's made a huge difference in our lives. Um, number five, as we feast on the words of Christ daily, the words of Christ will tell us how to respond to difficulties we never thought we would face. That's a pretty straightforward one. He's inviting us to feast on the words of Christ daily. Um, Obviously, we're doing this podcast about the scriptures. We're big believers in that. Yeah. Next one. When these temporary COVID-19 restrictions are lifted, please schedule regular time to worship and serve in the temple. Take time to ponder what you hear and feel when you are there. Ask the Lord to teach you how to open the heavens to bless your lives. I love right off the bat that he says that these restrictions will be lifted. Um that's just good to know that our prophet has said this will be temporary. But then once it has been lifted, we should be scheduling regular time to go and serve in the temple. And to not just serve, but to take time to ponder what we hear there and feel there. And, and pray and ask Heavenly Father to teach us how to learn in the temple, how to hear him in the temple, um, and how to use the power of covenants in your life. Those are powerful, powerful promises. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to go back and start doing that. While worshiping in the temple is presently not possible, I invite you to increase your participation in family history, including family history research and indexing. Um, this one is personal for me. I have um, made a really conscious effort to participate in family history since temples have been closed, and I know that the power of the temple and the covenants that we make there are also available to us as we do family history work. That while we're not in the temple, we can replace um, that with doing family history work and receive some of the same blessings that we receive as we worship in the temple. Here's the next one. Remember, these are all coming from President Nelson, and this should not surprise anyone. 
I renew my plea for you to do whatever it takes to increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation. Do whatever it takes. If that means increase your scripture study, then we should do it. If it means to do better with prayer, make our prayer sincere and mighty, well, then we need to do that. If it means giving up a sin or things that are ungodly, boy, we heard earlier, except you repent. We need to do whatever it takes to increase our spiritual capacity so that we can receive that personal revelation. Uh, number nine, speaking about the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ proclamation, which was um, given by President Nelson. He said, study it privately and with your family members and friends. Ponder the truths and think of the impact those truths will have on your life if you will hear them, hearken to them, and heed the commandments and covenants that accompany them. This is a pretty straightforward one also. Have you studied the restoration proclamation yet? Have you studied it privately and with your family or friends? Um, have you pondered about it? Um, have you prayed about it? I think um, there are powerful promises there for us. I like how straightforward that is. We know if we've done it or not. And if we haven't, we ought to do it. I love this next one. Your consistent efforts in Come Follow Me will change your life, that of your family, and the world. Well, there's a key word there, and it's consistent. Are your efforts consistent? Are we doing Come Follow Me? Are you doing it consistently? Because there's promises. It will change your life. It will change the life of your family. Boy, that's what I want. As I see my kids going out into the world, I want their life to be changed. I want them to be strong and to keep the commandments. It will even change the whole world. What incredible promises. Number 11, please use this time when temples are closed to continue to live a temple-worthy life or to become temple-worthy. Um, we want to be making and keeping covenants. And if we've already made temple covenants, we ought to be keeping those covenants. And if we're not, if we haven't yet, um, we ought to follow the, the counsel given from Abinadi, the accept, they repent, and work to, to do the things that we need to so we can be temple worthy. Next one ties right to that. It says, talk about the temple with your family and friends. As you think more about the temple, you will be thinking more about him. But that gives you a clue as to how to study and think about the temple. It leads you to thinking about Jesus. This is another one of those. Are we doing it or are we not? Are we talking about the temple with our family and our friends? That, that's, um, it works. I, I can testify of that. And number 13, study and pray to learn more about the power and knowledge with which you have been endowed or with which you will yet be endowed. Um, this is also... Uh, a powerful promise. Um, there's lots of things in the scriptures and um, in talks from general authorities that can teach us about the uh, power and, and the covenants that come in the temple. Um, we can pray about it. We can think about it. We're obviously not going to the temple right now, um, but as we study about the temple and the covenants that we make there, um, we will have greater knowledge and understanding about the power that comes with those covenants. Boy, these commandments are the most recently emphasized commandments from our current prophet who speaks for the Lord. These are what should be written in our hearts right now. You know, are they? 
Are these written in our hearts? Are these things that we believe in and are doing and are following? Are we becoming better and getting to know our Savior? Because these things that our prophet has told us, are, are we doing them? Um, and of course, we're not perfect. Um, this is a pretty long list, 13 things. It might be wise for you to pray and think about what are the things that Heavenly Father wants you to focus on the most? Um, what are the things that you need to work on in your own personal life and with your family? Um, pick those things, the things that the Spirit, as you hear Him, um, prompts you to do. Um, and as you do that, you will feel the power and blessings that President Nelson has promised will come. We've really learned in these chapters just how patient the Lord is. If we're not doing any of them, you know, we can repent, except we repent. We can simply repent and and do better. That's that's what we ought to do is just be doing the best we can, do better. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we hope you enjoy your study of Mosiah 11 to 17. Thank you.